my name is Ray Montgomery. I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, we're going to be doing something special with our employment services team today. And we're going to kind of flip the script. So before we get started on today's special episode, we're going to get an introduction with our employment services team. And we're going to start with you, Christy. How are you doing for the new year? Hey, happy new year, Ray. Excited to be back and really excited for today's special episode. I hope everyone enjoys it. I am Christy Russell, and I am the Senior Manager of our Adult and Youth Employment Services Program here at Bosmas Center for Visionary Solutions. All right. Next, we got Matt. Matt, how you doing? Good, Ray. Thanks for having us. Uh, Matt Edwards, and I'm an Employment Specialist here at Bosma Enterprises. All right. Aaron, Aaron C., how you doing? Good, Ray. Hope you had a good new year. Hello, my name is Aaron C., and I am the Youth Employment Specialist. I take care of all the students with visual impairment, helping them transition either to the workforce or college. Katie, what's going on? Hi, Ray. I, just like Matt, I am an Employment Specialist here at Bosma Enterprises. Sounds good. We got a newbie right here, Kurt. What's going you. on? <laughs> Hi, Ray. Yeah, my name is Kurt Sutterfield, and I am the latest Employment Specialist here at Bosma. Sounds good. Sounds good. So what, what we got going on today, we're going to kind of flip the script and I'm going to throw it over to you, Christy, and tell them what we have in store for this special episode. All right. Well, thanks to everyone that tuned in and supported the podcast last year. We are just really blown away by all the support. Thank you for sharing our episodes. Thanks for tuning in and learning a little bit more about how companies can and do hire people who are blind or have low vision and do so successfully. We are just so thankful that people are tuning in and getting getting educated on all the topics we, we love to share. So we thought, you know, let's have some fun. It's It's January, new year, it's been cold. So we are going to flip the script. And normally you hear our host, Ray, interviewing us and asking us questions as we debunk common myths in the workforce. But today we are going to highlight Ray. So the myth we are debunking today, Ray, who are blind need to start in an entry level position. And what we know about you here at Bosma is that you are our outreach and volunteer coordinator, host our podcast, and do a lot on social media. You do a lot in advocacy. You do a lot in outreach. So we thought, well, most people would be very surprised to know that actually most blind people don't start in an entry-level position because they have education, they have degrees, they have work experience, work history. So we want to hear a little more about your story, and thank you for for agreeing to this topic today and having some fun with us. So I think if you don't mind to kick us off, Ray, with sharing your journey through vision loss and your career path. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's going to be a great journey right there. It's going to be some ups and downs, but my journey started back in 1997, so I'm going to hold ahead and age myself a little bit here. (laughs) 97, my life changed drastically. Two months after I graduated high school, um, I was 17 years old. Unfortunately, I I was a victim of a violent crime where I got shot multiple times, which actually stole my vision, I would say. So at that time, I didn't know that I was going to be blind uh, after the the incident. But yeah, that's what happened. Um, I lost my vision um, at a young age. 
didn't know anything about blindness or I didn't know a lot of people who were blind or visually impaired at the time. So I was really uh, uh, searching for, you know, answers. Me and my mother, I would say she was really uh, searching. This is prior to the Internet. Well, there was an Internet, but I didn't have the Internet at the time. <laughs> but uh, we did a lot of searching, um, trying to figure out what type of services were going to be needed in order for me to be successful as someone now living with vision loss. But at the time, I could tell you, I knew nothing about blindness. I always tell people, all I knew, only thing I knew about blindness was Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder, and I can't play the piano. So <laughs> I didn't think I had a great career path uh, going forward. Because that's all we saw, right? I mean, we only saw people who were blind, you know, as uh, musicians, you know, panhandling. We didn't see them within the community working and being, you know, part of society. So I didn't know what my life was going to be like. But thankfully, my mother didn't let me fall to the wayside. She stayed on me. But we didn't believe that I was going to be blind. So, I mean, that's one thing that I would say that, you know, I went to doctor after doctor getting second opinion, third opinion. Because it's a uh, it's a life changing experience, and nobody really wanted to accept the fact that you couldn't see. I didn't. I didn't even want to accept the fact that I was no longer going to be able to see because I thought that I was going to have some surgery, you know, and then everything was going to be okay. They'll go ahead and sew up the optic nerve, and you know everything will be back to normal. But as we can see, that didn't happen, and uh, you know it was a trial and error right there. I mean, it was it was an adjustment. And that's one thing that I would say about Bosma. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but we do have that adjustment counselor. Like Michelle, she works greatly with individuals on a one-on-one in the group setting. So, uh, But, you know, once I figured that I wasn't going to be able to see, I had to do some rehabilitation training. So I'm from Northwest Indiana, everybody. I'm from Maryville, Gary area. So that's I didn't know anything about Bosma. I wish I did know about Bosma back in 97. I knew they was around, but Unfortunately, I didn't know anything about Bosma at the time. So I did all my training up there in Geary at Trade Winds and did all my Braille. I did the learning how to use a cane mobility training. I did some JAWS training, which is a screen reader. Learning how to cook and clean because I want to make sure I'm still clean. I still want to be Ray. I like to dress and look good. So (laughs) (laughs) I like to do all those great things. But once again, I still wasn't mentally ready at 18, 19. I still didn't accept the fact that I couldn't see. So I found myself going through those emotions, you know, the anger, the denial, the frustration, all the things that you you go through once you have experienced a traumatic uh, incident such as losing your vision. So I went through all those emotions. And then I finally got back up again. My mother played a crucial role in my life. She found out a place for me in Illinois where I went out to Chicago and did some more rehab training. And that's where my life really took a turn for the better. I actually saw people similar to Bosma working. You know, they had family. They were going to school. They were doing everything that I aspired to do uh, in the near future. So I did all that training. And eventually I enrolled at Purdue University Calumet in Hammond, Indiana back in 2000, where eventually in 2005, I obtained my BA in communications with an emphasis in radio and television, Uh, graduated, didn't know I was living with a 70% unemployment rate, Uh, didn't know about the uh, misperceptions and stereotypes that were going to be put upon me as someone who was blind, trying to find gainful employment, but uh, I kept pursuing, kept interning, trying to get into the radio broadcasting field, but you know, life was life. You know, I had my first child 
and uh, life changed for the better. But at the same time, I couldn't find gainful employment living in Northwest Indiana. So I had a house fire. People always say, oh, why you say it was a good thing? House fire uh, actually took me outside my comfort zone. And uh, it brought me to Indianapolis, Indiana. And where my wife, I always, I'm going to thank her because she did a Google search, typed in blind jobs. And somehow Bosma came right on up and she drove me right on over. I didn't know if they was even open. <laughs> <laughs> she told me that they, hey, they're hiring blind folks, you blind, let's go. <laughs> and so that's how I got to Bosma. I would give her the credit for that story. And I uh, got here. And really, I would tell anyone that's looking for gainful employment, get your foot in the door, man. Whatever you got to do, get your foot in the door. I got my foot in the door. And I took advantage of Bosma's uh, upward mobility. So, you know, taking advantage of cross-training opportunities that came my way, I, I didn't say no. So sometimes you got to say yes and do things that you, you know, may be afraid to do. But just to see if you like them or you might you might dislike it, but it's something that gives you a just some type of a meter to see if that's something that you want to do at the end of the day. But I'm here now at Bosma. I'm working. I worked in production. I worked as a receptionist. I'm, now I'm working in marketing. You know, it might not happen overnight, but I work in marketing now. I'm doing a podcast right now, and I get to uh, interview people around the organization, people that work in the field of blindness. I get to uh, go out in the community and talk about Bosma and what we do and how we are really changing the lives of people who are blind right here in the state of Indiana and do some volunteer coordination tours and advocacy. So I do a little bit of everything around here, you know, just to really help the mission forward. So that's some of my story right now. And I got three kids. So, <laughs> so I'm here, I'm here grinding it out. Wow. I think yeah. I speak on behalf of the team. Like what an incredible story, Ray. Yeah. Wow. I mean, everything from, like you said, the major life of it, you know, you were just going about your life like many of us do, you know, and then something unexpected happens that completely yeah. changes the trajectory of your, your next steps in so many ways. And how grateful are you to your mother? She sounds like an amazing woman and then your wife and, and I think just not, not stopping. You yeah. know, I mean, that perseverance is so important. And I hear it in your story. And I know we hear it a lot with our clients as well. And that's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, I would say, Ray, like, what do you feel like prepared you the most when it was time to go to work out of all that training you shared? What were maybe some of the key things that you feel like were crucial to getting you back to work? Kids. No. <laughs> Um, you relate to that <laughs> right um some of the biggest things that helped me get back to work is really going through the training definitely going through training such as we do here at Basel's rehab center getting myself prepared as far as with uh learning how to use this white cane so orientation and mobility i mean making sure you have great cane skills in order to travel independently because you know like in college no one actually Walk me back and forth to classes. I know that's a myth right there that we get help, but no. While, while people were on break, I was learning with an O&M instructor how to get from class A to class B and, and back to class C. So really learning and taking advantage of the training that's uh, in front of you is also a good thing. And having a great support system is another great reason that I'm here today. Just really having, like I said, my mother was played a strong role, my family, my father, you know, everybody who helped me not give up, because I'm going to tell you, I wanted to give up. If you give up, you know, 
what your life is going to be. So just having that great support system and having them help me and let me know that, you know, there is life after blindness. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, you got to keep moving. So that's really one thing. You got to have some confidence in yourself as well. That's one other thing. You got to have some belief that it's going to be all right. You got to have that confidence. And that's going to take a while to build upon, you know, because it didn't happen overnight. It took it took a lot of years in order for me to get to the person that I am today. It took a lot of bumps and bruises in order to get there. You're going to want to give up. You're going to get frustrated with life and really interacting with society because society doesn't always treat people who are blind and vision impaired or have other disabilities fairly uh, because they don't know how to interact. They don't know what we need and thus we become advocates for ourselves. So that's the biggest thing that we need to do is advocate for ourselves and what we need to know in order for us to be successful. Um, Ray, you had mentioned getting training for your travel between classes. How do you get to work? How do you travel around your community? And oh. and what kind of training did you receive to do that? Oh, yeah. We have work and uh, travel is, you got to get transportation. So transportation is going to be key when you're trying to get back and forth to work because, you know, like anybody, we don't want to be late to work. We want to make sure that we prompt and on time. And uh, when you're dealing with transportation, you have to make sure that you're scheduling that transportation, sometimes days in advance. And I know Aaron could attest to this. Sometimes days in advance, you got to make sure that you get, you know, before I start taking a cab, I took open door back and forth to work. That's paratransit that comes to your home. So you make sure that, that that schedule is intact. You make sure that you you leave enough leeway, you know, for anything that may happen. You know, the bus might be late. Anybody may be late. So you make sure that you leave two hours early. It may take you two hours. You may get hit two hours early, but you're on time. <laughs> but those yeah, are some I, of the things that uh, we have to do with people with disabilities in order to get back and forth to work. We have to, you know, sometimes we ride the bus more than we want to. So <laughs> those are some of the things that prepare me, just um, scheduling myself, making sure my schedule is tight. Even coming out to laying out your clothes at night. Um, you know, you, you may not think about this as someone who is sighted, but you may not know what you have. Sometimes you may not have your clothes labeled or you may not have that, that sight of assistance right away. So you want to make sure that you're laying out your clothes at night. You know, it's almost taking it back to high school, <laughs> laying out your stuff at night, laying out your lunch, everything you need to do to make sure that you're ready because you never know what's going to happen in the morning when you're dealing with transportation. So all that oh, yeah. kids in the mix, right? Mornings don't always go according to plan. Nope, nope. Now you add kids into that mix, so you really got to make sure you lay out your clothes and their clothes at night. <laughs> That's right. Ray, I had a and follow think- up to um, Katie's comment, thinking about employers, right? We now, since COVID, we see a lot more remote or out of the office type positions. Um, and I think maybe that could be a stigma out there is, you know, if somebody is thinking about an, a position they have where they would need to travel. And so maybe they would be concerned or not aware of how someone who's visually impaired could do the travel component of a job. And I know you are out and about going somewhere all the time as part of your job in outreach. Um, So how do you do your job, right, in terms of being away from the building to still get your job done? That you don't necessarily need to have a driver's license, right? We see that all the time on applications, but yet- you are also kind of a remote employee. So I thought maybe that'd be helpful to share. How do you accomplish those tasks that are expected of you away from the building? 
Good question right there. Um, it goes back to uh, just being prepared for when I'm going somewhere. So I do a lot of uh, outreach within the community. So I'm always traveling. I traveled to UND yesterday. So I'm always at a university or a senior expo, health expo. So uh, really letting people know that you're coming. Sometimes it's, it, it goes back to communication. So I'm always talking to the event coordinator and saying, okay, I'm coming to this event. Which door should I get dropped off at? I am blind, so I want you to know that. You know, sometimes you may need some assistance because some of these universities are massive. So just really letting them know that I'm coming, <laughs> getting some assistance when it's acceptable. So I get that help when it's acceptable. But prior to I come, like I said, it's all about uh, preparation. So my outreach materials, I make sure I lay them out prior to coming. You know, it could be simple as me putting rubber bands around my volunteer brochure so I know, okay, the rubber bands, are the volunteer, the the uh, bottom of the glance has the uh, braille on it. So really making sure that I label my stuff because I don't want to get to an event looking incompetent and having my brochures all backwards. And, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't look good on the company. <laughs> it doesn't look good on me as well. So I really communicate so far as we get into events, you know, thank goodness we have viable transportation, but when they're not available, I take an Uber or a Lyft. You know, I'm Ubering and lifting back and forth to events so I can get there on time and uh, set up my display table and uh, get to work. So that's that's what I did. Ray, I was going to, you know, piggyback off of that. You know, when you talk about transportation, I know a lot of employers, you know, that's always a question like, oh, can they get here on time? And it's like, I think being a you know blind individual we focus more on time than the average person. Uh, you know, I always have three different options of transportation that I'm like, all right, if my, you know, open door is two hours running late, I'm going to cancel that and I'm going to jump in an Uber because I'm conscious of my time as much as I am my employer. I've been with you. I, I know how you navigate. When we work our outreach events, I just, I'm like, hey, Ray's got it. He, can, he knows how to set all this up. I'm going to sit back and make sure nobody steals our stress balls. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. I've seen it firsthand, and we're always there on time. I, we're usually some of the first people to show up to work. Yeah, that, that just goes back to showing people that people who are blind are dependable. So, you know, I, I was told something when I first lost my sight, the way I interact with someone, you know, I could be the first person that this person has ever interacted with. I could be the first blind person this person has interacted with. So, you know, my interaction could make his uh, views of people who are blind negatively. So I always try to be somewhat, you know, up, upbeat, you know, nice, you know, respectable when I'm out and about because you never know, you know, if that's the first time a person has met a person who is blind or visually impaired. So. That's a great point. Great point. Yeah, Ray, I want to go back to this time period where you were kind of struggling to find employment because uh, sometimes we're working with people for a year or two or more and and for a variety of reasons you know it could be that we're we're struggling to help them find employment but uh you know after you graduated had a, a nice college degree uh, and you started to look for employment um you know is there is do you have any opinions or experiences as to why you struggled to find a job another good question um yeah yeah i mean i was dealing with uh you know the stereotypes the uh the misperceptions and the lack of interaction that people, especially employers, had with people who are blind. So I didn't. I thought that they didn't know my skill set. They didn't. They just didn't understand. At the end of the day, so what you guys do is go out there and you know educating employers and 
uh, businesses about people who are blind is great because they just don't know. I didn't know about anything when I lost my sight. So, you know, when it comes to employers, I don't really expect them to know everything either. They do have their premonitions about blindness. So we have to go in as people who are blind and advocate for ourselves. We have to really tell them about the JAWS, the screen reading software. We have to be presentable when we get there. We have to make sure that we're on time. I mean, I know it's extra stress and it's it's things that other people don't have to think about. But we, as people who are blind, we represent the whole community. So I think that they just really didn't know about technology and what, what was capable of people who are blind. I think that's, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Hey, Good Ray, question. talking about concerns, when, when you finally got through and you get to the interview process, what becomes your concern then? You've got these big concerns about, you know, how am I going to be interpreted when it finally came time? Okay, I've got my foot now firmly in the door. Now, what am I worried about? I'm worried about discrimination. Um, I'm worried about because I didn't put on the application. I was blind. Uh, I'm worried about, you know, what are they going to think about this cane that I'm holding? You know, sometimes you get them vibes when you come to those interviews. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't know. So, you know, you kind of you kind of shock people once you arrive and you have a cane. Uh, even though you do have the skill sets, they see that cane and it kind of uh, it scares them, for lack of better words, um, because they they don't know what we're gonna need. Are we gonna be a liability to the organization? How we're we gonna do this? All the questions you know we just talked about. They're gonna they they're wondering how we're gonna do those things. But I worry about being discriminated against just based off this white cane that I'm holding and not being given the full opportunity to actually show you what I can do before the interview is over with. You've already made that decision that you may not hire me just due to the fact that I'm holding this white cane. So those are the things that we have to actually keep pushing and uh, keep advocating for and letting people know that we can do a lot despite having uh, visual impairment. Was there something that eased that fear? Yeah. I mean, just once again, it goes back to having confidence in yourself. You know, you can't come in there with your head down open and, you know, fumbling around. You have to be, you got to give them that insurance that yeah, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. He comes in here, you know, suit and tied and head held high. So, you know, you got to come in with a little swagger. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a little swagger when you're coming in. and You got to let people know that you know what you're talking about. Even bring your computer and, you know, demonstrate JAWS and show them your iPhone that it talks. You know, so really breaking down those barriers like we do. Ray, leading off that conversation, you kind of already introduced it, but there is concerns of discrimination and we we do face that un unconscious bias. And, you know, when yeah. they see that cane, you know, they get that, that pit and they're like, well, like you said, to overcome that, you know, what kind of accommodations, you know, like you said, bring your computer in the interview and show them some of these things. So can you just explain to the viewers and the listeners, what kind of accommodations do you, you use to keep you ace at work? Um, you know, you do so many hats and you do so much. And uh, if you could just go through some of the accommodations that, you know, make you successful and keep you relevant in the workforce. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest one I would say is our screen reading program called JAWS. So I've used JAWS a lot because that lets me um, utilize Microsoft Word applications, PowerPoint, Excel. Uh, JAWS is a, a the best program out right now, far with screen readers to me, because it allows me to, you know, access the internet and it allows me to keep up with my sighted counterparts. So you know, I'm able to type, you know, Word documents. I'm able to write blog posts that I have to write sometimes. Um, keep up with our 
social media content because I do Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. So I'm always uh, writing content for that. It allows me to, it opened up a whole new world for me, JAWS. JAWS is the big one right there. Uh, my iPhone, once again, the iPhone comes in very handy. Um, it has a voiceover already built into it. So with the iPhone, I'm able to utilize that Uber. I can give me an Uber once I'm out and about at an outreach event. I can schedule my Uber in advance. Um, CNAI is another one, another application. You know, when I'm looking at documents, I use CNAI. Uh, to read documents if I don't have any, you know, body to read it for me. So I can't just sit around and wait. So I got to utilize that technology. I use that. I use IRA sometimes, you know, to navigate unfamiliar territories. I use my white cane. <laughs> so that's the biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest tools as well. So having all of those at my disposal allows me to be successful when I'm out traveling or working here at Bosman. Those are great, Ray. I was just thinking, so if I'm an employer hearing this, you know, where would I go to find these kind of accommodations or assistive technology? Like where, where would someone start as a, yeah. as the company? First of all, you talk to the employer, employee about what accommodations he or she's going to need to be successful. Start with that, start there before you go out Braille and everything. Cause uh, Braille is a great tool. Not everyone reads Braille at a fast pace or even reads Braille at all. So before you do that, talk to your employee about what he or she's going to need. Vocational rehabilitation is going to also be a great resource because they're going to be the ones that actually go out and actually can buy uh, these accommodations that really are less than $500 for the most part. So accommodations are not that expensive. So you start there. Um, also, you can start with Google. Um, even just, I mean, right now we live in a technology-based world. So if you want to know something about blindness or you know any other uh, disability, Google is another great source as well. Absolutely. I would add to that that she can start with us too, you know. Working in our program, working with one of us, one of our, our job seekers in our program, um, you know, we can walk you through, uh, you know, to obtain JAWS. Hey, let's, yeah. let's go to the Freedom Scientific website. You know, we can order and, and purchase out there if, the, if that's, you know, something the employer can do. But we can, you know, we spend time on the job with people and uh, make sure they're acclimated and, and everything like that. But uh, here, you know, you've you've gotten through school, gone, you pound the pavement, you've gone through interviews, you get that job, you're getting ready to start and everything like that. So not only for you, but for, for anybody who's blind or visually impaired, how can an employer best support you once you get that job? You know, I will say they could um, just give me the accommodations that I need. Um, talk to me about my accommodations that I may need. Really, once I get there, make sure that I'm acclimated to the surroundings. You know, let me know anything that I may need to know as far as being uh, blind, how to get around the building. That's a good question, Matt. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, I would add to that. Hey, just treat me like I'm anybody else because that's I need, a good point. I, I need to know where the exits are. I need to know how to get to the break room. Mm -hmm. I need to know how to use uh, the computer database or whatever it is. You know, I got to be shown everything too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Show me, treat me like anyone else at the end of the day. That's what I want to say. Treat me like any other employee that you have, you know, show me where everything's at, um, you know, and treat me like anyone else. That's all I, that's all we wanted, you know, treat it with respect at the end of the day. Good question, Matt. How would an employer make their organization more accessible to you, either technologically or physically? 
Yeah, make sure that your website is accessible. That's what that's the yeah, first great thing. point. Make sure your website is accessible. Uh, make sure it is scripted. And once again, Bosley can work with you on scripting. JAWS is not a software that's going to corrupt your system. I want to point that out because I know we hear that a lot. <laughs> we talked about that a lot on the podcast. It's just um, a program that you install on a computer. So, you know, make sure that those things are accessible. Make sure that I know where to go. Make You know, if you could braille things, make sure there's braille on the restrooms, you know, braille on certain areas that I may frequent, you know, because I do read. I do read Braille at sometimes. I do read Braille for me as well. <laughs> so, you know, give me things in an accessible format. You know, give it give me things prior to the meeting, not at the meeting, because I need to look at them a little bit beforehand. I'm not able to like skim through documents once you hand it to me. So if we're in a meeting, make sure that it's in an accessible format. So those are some of the things that employers should know when they're dealing with people who are blind. Make sure that it, your website is up to par and you know, you, you ask them what type of format is best for them for us. I like everything electronically because my computer will read it to me. I think on, on that, piggybacking off of that, Ray, you know, just whatever is simple. You know, we don't ask for, you know, all the bells and whistles. It's just simplicity. It's, you know, getting your documents and, you know, Word or, you know, whatever is the easiest way for our screen readers to read. You know, going out in the warehouse, safety for your other employees is just as much important as safety for your visually impaired. So, yeah. You know, following this, this, you know, walking trail or, you know, they putting a piece of tape on your warehouse floor. So, you know, that guides your workers not to walk in front of a, you know, forklift, um, which, you know, no one wants that in liability. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's not so much, you know, visual aids for the blind. It's just, you know, life hacks, safety, safety tips. You know, it's, it's not as complex, I think, as people love to make it. I love when you said, you know, most of our accommodations are less than 500 bucks most i feel like employers hear accommodations they think six figure change and i'm like ah, it's not that at all so you know i love when you brought that up but yeah just keep it simple simple safe (laughs) we keep it simple around here at bosma too we have a lot of low-tech you know aids like the rugs that we place around stairwares our entryways i mean like those little things that you know you're coming up to a walkway entryway like a simple rug you know, will help you help you uh, navigate this building right here. We also have blind square um, all over the building that acts as an indoor navigational system. So those type of things can be implemented at uh, buildings to help you know blind and vision impaired employ- employees you know navigate their surroundings even better. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot. <laughs> It's so true. So Ray, when we think back of your whole journey, you know, and and here you went from, I want to get a degree in radio and broadcasting. And man, did you have a journey? (laughs) And then here you are working in the marketing team. You're doing a podcast, you know, you're doing all these things that were your goals. You hit it. You know, it might've taken a different path to get there or a little bit longer in one area or another, but you did it. And so, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up today's discussion, what's next for you in this career path? Are you still trying to get into maybe TV or you love doing social? I mean, obviously, social media is a big opportunity. What's next for you, Ray, in terms of your career path? That's a that's a great question right there. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep with the podcast. You know, I'm going (laughs) to I got my own podcast thing going on. That's very big right now. So. 
Yeah, I'm working on my own podcast with uh, Outside Looking In with Ray Montgomery. <laughs> I'm working on that because I really think that people, not just people who are blind, but people with various disabilities have a story to tell. So I really want to focus on that aspect of my podcast and, you know, humanize it a little bit more, I would say, you know, just have conversations with people with various disabilities and, you know, let the world know that these individuals are doing great and amazing things. Keep with the advocacy. I do a lot of advocacy work here at Bosma, you know, so we are always talking to legislators about what we do here at Bosma and, you know, how we are serving Hoosiers who are blind or visually impaired. So I'm going to keep doing that. Keep the podcast going here at Bosma. Keep the advocacy going and continue to do my outreach and volunteerism here at Bosma. So that's my well, goal right now. No doubt you're going to be successful. Um and, and I know we are so fortunate for you and it's been great working with you on our version of the podcast and we're excited for that as well. So one final question, Ray, as we think about that myth we started with, people who are blind need to start in an entry-level position. What would you say to an employer who's listening to this or an HR professional or a recruiter, someone in that hiring capacity role, what would you say to them if they're maybe still on the fence about the capabilities of someone who's blind or low vision in the workforce, some parting words. <laughs> I would say, I would say come to Bosma for a tour, come to Bosma and to see it firsthand. Um, and you can see people who are blind working at all facets of the organization from our CEO, Mr. Jeff Mittman, all the way to our production staff. You're going to see, uh, the mission at work, you're going to see people being successful in the manufacturing to a rehab facility. So I would say, you know, if you want to see it in action, come to Bosma and we're going to show you what individuals who are blind and vision impaired are capable of. I love it. And and we would say the same thing. We love to invite people out and actually see our space and talk to people and learn. Um, And so I would say, Ray, normally you're asking us how people can get a hold of us, but I do want to do a plug for volunteers. I know we have a large number of events uh, through our foundation, the Bosma Visionary Opportunities Foundation, and just various things that we do need some extra set of hands to help us make those events successful. So how would someone get involved with volunteering here at Bosma, especially if you're a company that has... Um, an initiative that you would like your employees to go out and serve in various community businesses. How does someone connect up with you, Ray, to talk more about volunteering with us? First of all, they can go to the website, bosma.org. They can visit bosma.org. They can contact me directly at uh, RaymondM at bosma.org. Or just give me a call, 317-871-5344. And we're going to get some, get you in the building and get you active. That's great. And Ray, people can come tour us. I know you plugged that. How okay. how does someone get connected to schedule a tour of both locations or the center or the uh, corporate warehouse? Wow. Yeah, they can, once again, they can visit the website and they can call me directly because I do a lot of tours here at Bosma too. That's my other job. So, <laughs> I do a lot all of the tours. ways, all the ways to connect. Well, Ray, thank you so much. Um, I'd say, you know, how, how did we do flipping the script today? And taking over. <laughs> Take did it a over. great job. Great podcast. The ES team did a great job of really uh, highlighting me today and really just highlighting uh, what people who are blind are doing and not just working at one one area. People who are blind do podcasts and they 
They do volunteer coordination. They do a lot of different tasks. So we just want to highlight that and keep it moving. You know. But I want to thank you guys for flipping the script and uh, asking me questions today. How can they get in contact with the employment service team if they're looking to learn more about uh, finding jobs and getting people who are blind jobs? Absolutely. So we're going to throw another website out at you. Everything can be found at www.bosma.org. And if you're interested in our programs and the various uh, things we are offering to people who are visually impaired, especially the employment services department, you can go to bosma.org backslash center, C-E-N-T-E-R, or call me directly. I'm always here for an open conversation, and my number is 317-704-8250. Sounds good. Well, thank you all for coming on the podcast. Once again, if you want to make sure that you're subscribed to the Navigating Blindness podcast on Apple, Google, and LinkedIn, and follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.